Hello JoJo's World listeners! As I mentioned at the end of our previous episode, Nick and I were unable to find time to record this week due to a variety of complications including starting a new job and attending an international wedding. So that we could still share some content with you this week, I decided to release this, the pilot to a podcast my friend Bradley and I recorded late last year. Late to the Mario Party is a video game discussion podcast which focuses on games that one of us has played in our respective childhoods. As you will soon hear, this episode explored Pokemon Gold. If you liked this episode and would like to hear more of the show, we'd love to hear it. If you didn't, well, your silence will speak volumes. I would also like to thank Milk Juice, aka my co-host Nick Ballantyne, for providing the chiptune theme music for the show. Okay, that's it for me. Nick and I will be back with a new JoJo's World next week, and until then, enjoy. Welcome to the podcast Late to the Mario Party, in which we talk about an old game that one of us is only just now playing for the very first time. I'm your host, Bradley Walker, and joining me today is your host, Liam S. Smith. Hello, this is my voice. Uh, So today we are talking about the game Pokemon Gold, which came out in Australia in the year 2000. Uh, And basically, I only just played it... Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance? Game Boy Color. That's right, yeah. Yep, so I've only just played it, but Liam played it. I love at it. the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's also worth mentioning that this is the um, one of the two games that form the, the second generation of Pokemon, along with Pokemon Crystal, which was later released. Yeah, so Gold and Silver were released at the same time, I think. Yeah. And then um, Crystal slightly after that. That was the yellow to its red and blue. Or the emeralds to its sapphire and ruby. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Crystal was the first game that you could play as a, as a, as a girl. That's, I didn't know you could. Hmm. Well, I haven't played it, so <laughs> that would be why I didn't know. Neither did I. But I had a friend who had it. I was so jealous. (laughs) Uh, So I guess in general, with my experience of Pokemon as a thing, I remember other kids playing it when it started. So before this guy, so Generation 1, I can remember other kids playing it. The year was 1990... (laughs) Something. Five to eight, I would say. Yeah. So when we played this, I was remembering as if in primary school, I can remember someone playing it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in primary school when the game came (laughs) out. So I'm probably remembering Pokemon Yellow. Oh, yeah. Or Red or Blue, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I think I do still remember people playing Pokemon Gold. And I sort of knew what the game was, but I hadn't played any Pokemon at all at that point. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't particularly well known. Like, I knew that you had to collect things. My experience of Pokemon was basically limited to the cards you were getting back. We had to catch them all, you see. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, like, I don't think I knew that there was an Elite Four, for instance... I think I just knew that there were monsters and you had to collect them. Or an evil team. Yeah. Like, I don't think... I mean, the story is fairly minimal, but I don't think I knew that there was one at all. Yeah. And then, so the first Pokemon game that I played... Was... I don't think I really realised there was a story at all until we were looking back over it oh, really? this. Yeah. I guess if you play it a bit at a time... Well, it's, it's, it's so, such a minimal story. Yeah, in this game in particular, the, the, of it, the few that I've played. Yeah, it's it kind of sort of like the seeds of three different stories that are all very, very minor. So you've got your, your story with your rival, the Team Rocket story, and I guess also the story of getting badges. And um, then also a couple of other things like Ho-Oh at Ecritique Tower or whatever. Yeah, a few little side things. Some nugs. Yeah, you can. I guess you can kind of think of that as story, even though 
It's just sort of doing the sort of things. stories within the world that aren't sort of necessarily the plot of your character. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's things that happen, even if it's not really <laughs> interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in the midst of Pokemania. I remember turning on the TV one day before school, and I discovered Cheese TV and Pokemon, the animated cartoon television show, was playing. That's what they called it. Uh, it was the episode where they went to Lavender Town and got attacked by ghosts. And then Ash died and became a ghost and began pranking his friends until the ghosts put him back in his body. That's horrifying. Yeah. So have you seen a lot of the show? Yes, I've seen all of Indigo League and probably most of the Johto series, which is where Gold and Silver take place. Yeah. But obviously at a certain point you age out of these things. Yeah, well I never saw it because we didn't have Cheese TV because I grew up in the country. I think I've seen like part of a couple of episodes, just the people have linked me to clips and stuff like that but I haven't really watched anything at times when I've been doing work or just want some noise in the background putting um, the Indigo League the red and blue equivalent of the anime on um, just Netflix recently because that's on Uh... there and it's obviously like a really dumb simple kids show but it's alright and you can see some clear parallels to events they've constructed around things that happen in the games like there's an episode on I don't know the house in Cerulean City that cares for sick Pokemon even just the fact that locations are the same I actually was assuming for some reason that that the show was totally unrelated to okay. the games. Well, it never really clicked for me until I was looking back into it recently that they just took the first two red and blue gym leaders and turned them into supporting protagonists. <laughs> right. My first Pokemon game that I actually played was Sapphire. Um, and I played that in 2005. And at the time I thought it was old, but it actually came out in 2003. Right. So that was fairly new. And then after that, I didn't play any until we were getting into this. And then I played, because this was a Gen 2 game, I played the Gen 1 remakes, Fire Red and Leaf Green, mm-hmm. which are remakes of uh, Red and Blue. There's a whole thing there about uh, Yeah, because how... they renamed it. Yeah. It was green in Japan. So I played those, and then I played Emerald. Is that like the which is yellow a... and crystal? Yeah, but of Gen 3. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why I played that in preparation for this, because it isn't. It's like the following generation. Yeah, I never um, played that generation. But Well, because I guess I played it because I was... Couldn't remember anything much from when I played Sapphire originally, but I didn't want to replay Sapphire. Right. <laughs> yeah, so then I had to play Gold, obviously. I also had a bit of a look at Yellow, so I didn't even play it, really. I just looked at some screenshots of it, pretty much, and the, I couldn't tell what anything was graphically, so I didn't... Yeah, Yellow is, Yellow was the first game that I got. I got it for my birthday one year, as a, as a, as a little Liam. Yeah. And it's very much the story of... It's very much the red and blue games with a slight graphical update re-keyed to be more like the cartoon. So, you know, you have your Pikachu following you all the time. You get all of the other starters and you meet them in roughly similar locations that you would otherwise meet them. And instead of just fighting, you know, rocket grunts or whatever, when you do a team rocket plot, you find Jesse or James. That's interesting. So when I played, I don't know if this was in the original red and blue, but in fire red and leaf green, they have a lot of bits where the games don't really have stories so much. I mean, they do have a story, but they tie into a lot of story more than they actually have story. So, like, there's a mansion where Mewtwo was being created or whatever, and then you can find Mewtwo. It's kind of Dark Soulsian in that (laughs) regard, and the story's there, but you have to find it yourself. Um, Yeah, so it was just interesting that they tie into story from external to the game. And I guess that's similar with if Gold was specifically based on tying into the anime. Yellow. Uh, Sorry, Yellow. Yeah, um, and then, so, played that a lot. Many years later in high school, my sister's then-boyfriend sold me a copy of Blue, which I played around with a bit, but Yellow is vastly superior, because it's 
got, you know, better graphics and the Pokemon look like actual creatures. But then again, once I got gold, I never really touched yellow in a significant way again because, you know, it was colourful, more Pokemon, still could go to the same places that you could go to in yellow. I just found, like, looking at images of it, I couldn't see what was the ground and what wasn't. In yellow? Yeah. Because, yeah, it was much less colourful at the time. It was all very... It was like three colours. Yeah, and you would go into a town and the game's colour palette would shift to the colour of that town. So, uh, obviously, Fuchsia City is sort of purple. That's the one I remember most vividly. But, uh, like, um, Vermilion? Viridian? One of those they was all like, sound kind of like a colors. green. They're both colors. Viridian would. Oh yeah, it would be. Yeah, and they're both yeah, cities in Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I always get them confused. I wonder if they're named that because of these early games where they were actually changing the color on the screen. Presumably. Interesting. So you start in Palette Town. Palette Town was sort of gray because right. it's you know a blank <laughs> a blank a blank slate. <laughs> yeah. Then you would go north. Yeah. <laughs> and get to the town Pewter City, which was a sort yep. of grayish gray, brown. Yeah. And Cerulean is blue. So, yeah roughly themed to the association of that colour with the gym type there as well because Ceruleans are blue and there's water Pokemon there and Pewter is brown and I think the psychic one was a sort of orangey colour the ma- mm, saffron would be yeah that, kind of colour that's it I don't know if I it was there or not I think it was I guess Abracadabra and Alakazam were all vaguely that colour so yeah yeah so anyway then I got uh, Pokemon Gold for the Game Boy Colour but I mostly played it on my Game Boy Advance just because you know you upgrade when you were a kid have you played a game since then? Um, yes, I got big into Diamond and Pearl when that came out on the regular DS. Yep, which is the generation with... Have you ever played... Have you ever touched that one? No, the furthest I've gone is Emerald. Okay, do you know anything about it? Nope. Okay, well the theme of that one is sort of time and space, so... Ah. For example, the legendaries are, um, Dialga and Palkia. Uh, Palkia is a big old dinosaur, Godzilla-type thing. That is the legendary Pokémon of space, and Dialga is a giant deer, which has control over time. <laughs> Why not? Sure. And then there's also, um, they start seeding in like other legendaries. Well, they did from the start because you had, you know, your birds and Mewtwo. And, but they also have um, three little dudes that are like all psychical imp things and some sort of Pokemon Satan type thing where it lives in the netherworld and comes out and steals souls or whatever. It's called Giratina, I think. Looks like a big terrifying sort of centipede. Sounds like a lovely game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the evil team in that one were Team Galactic, and they all had sort of bluish green beetle cuts. Oh yeah, and they were they were pretty fun. <laughs> Uh, and then I bought bought X and Y, one of X and Y, but I never really got very far in it because it just wasn't clicking with me, which is sort of something I'll get to later, where right. I think I've sort of lost my patience with Pokemon games. I got to a certain point in that I remember very clearly the point I stopped. You have like a team, a team of like five friends in that rather than one specific rival. I think you are more rivalry with one of them than the rest, but they're, 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 you encounter them all over and over again. And I remember you and the female character, Avatar, you go to this mansion... <laughs> And you watch fireworks together, and there's this cut scene where she's like, I've never he- watched fireworks with a boy before. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm really end. over this. <laughs> yeah, then I closed the game and never picked it up again. <laughs> That's about like maybe an hour and a half in as well, so I really got my value oh, for no. money there. <laughs> well, you've, you've still got it. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, shall we start talking about Pokemon Gold in a more substantive manner then? Yeah, so do you have anything extra to say about playing it in the past? Just, I guess, that I want to emphasise how, as a kid, when you're experiencing Pokemon, you aren't just limiting it to the game, you're sort of absorbing the whole thing. I never got into Pokemon cards, but yep. like, because they're expensive and I didn't have that money, mm. and also, not really a big trading card guy. But, uh, you know, it's sort of indivisible from, from the anime and the toys and everything like that. I guess a lot of my... So the initial kind of playing Pokemon way after everyone else is actually Fire Red, Leaf Green. Yep. Because I don't really remember playing Sapphire 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, the one of the things that I was surprised by was how obvious it was that playing it outside of the time when it was released was a whole different experience. I okay. Think. Because... The first thing is I had no one to trade with and I think trading... Well, I didn't have anyone to trade with either. <laughs> oh, it's, well, it's a lot easier to do that in sort of the modern games now because you can just do it via the internet. Online, yeah. Whereas, you, you know, have to physically you find have to someone and plug go it around to your friend's house and bring your Game Boy Link cable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the... So it just sort of felt like they a whole aspect of the game was given to trading. So things like how if you don't have certain badges and they're high level, yep. you can't control them yet, which presumably is only there to limit the effect of trading. In my first game, my cousin gave me um, a level 99 Polyrath, and I just used it in every gym battle and hoped it didn't hit itself or go to sleep, (laughs) which it often did. I did did really enjoy the idea of just not obeying, so like, you know, do a certain attack, it just falls asleep instead or whatever. The fact that you have that obey aspect, but also the, the thing they put in to motivate you to trade, which presumably, which is to have the bonus XP for traded Pokemon. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Well, basically, if you're using a traded Pokemon, they get XP faster. And also things like how you couldn't catch all of the Pokemon in one version. In one game, exactly. And you can only That's ever get thing. one at the start of Pokemon. Yeah. So that you basically have to trade in order to finish the Pokedex. Yeah. So it was just kind of interesting that there were obvious ways in which the game was built around including that mechanic and it just, you can't really do Mm. that so much. At least in Gold and Silver there were some other things that they sort of encouraged... So let's, let's call it social playing yep. um, with uh, in that there was, I remember this thing, I think it was called a mystery gift or secret gift where your Game Boys had little um, infrared sensors on the top of them. So you would point them at each other and then you would get in your room in your mum's house uh, in the game. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, like a, a, a Snorlax doll or a, a different bed or something like that. Uh-huh. So I have a very vivid memory of being at my friend Alex's house and he, uh, myself and his brother, I think you could only do it like once a day with each other or something, so we're all just tagging off with each other. <laughs> oh, I suppose we should also talk about Pokemon Go. Cause I as, talk... as far as the experience of yeah. later games. Yeah, because I... I mentioned that I don't really have the patience for the sort of JRPG-style Pokemon games anymore. I'm big into Pokemon Go, even now when it's been out for like three months. Yeah, and everyone else has stopped playing. Yeah. Uh, I just like... I'm more interested... Some people get really into the sort of tactical aspect of the Pokemon games about sort of constructing the ideal team with all the type advantages and making sure they all have the best moves and the best stats and you you can breed them to cultivate certain stats, especially in, I think, from Gold and Silver on, and also trying to get shiny Pokemon. Yeah, I've heard about that, but I don't know. There's, like, the red Gyarados you encounter in Gold is the shiny Gyarados. It's just like a different Uh... colour palette of the... That makes sense. So they're not actually shiny, they're a different no. colour. Yeah. 
but I'm yeah I'm always been more into sort of just like collecting an interesting creature than cultivating the perfect battle team. Yeah, well, like so, looking at Pokemon Go from the outside, I really like the idea of collecting the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it seems like they've really focused on that. Yeah, and th- whereas in Go, the sort of gym battling mechanic is sort of less than perfectly implemented, but it's not really what I'm there for. And see, I probably would be quite happy if that wasn't even in the game. Not that I've been playing it, but if I was yeah. playing it, <laughs> it's like uh, when it was when it was in its heyday and people were talking about battling and stuff, I would say, tell them that I, I'm like, I don't know, Brock or someone in the cartoon, where I'm not there to get all the badges and stuff, I just want to get some Pokemon and have a good time. Mm. That actually transitions into a point I was going to make about the playing the earlier games. I was surprised that it seemed as if collecting all the Pokemon and beating the Elite Four are actually opposing goals. <laughs> um, because if you collect all the Pokemon, you're not going to have anything high enough level easily. So you obviously you can spend a lot of time grinding. Which I think as a child, you're much more inclined to do. Because yeah. you're just sort of killing time and also you care about your Pokemon as, like, characters, I guess. Yeah. So it was interesting playing it and so I think Fire Red was the first one I played and I had actually a lot of trouble fighting things because I'd spent the whole game collecting stuff. When I played Pokemon Sapphire 11 years ago, I don't think I finished the game because I got to the Elite Four and had no chance at all mm. because I'd been collecting all the Pokemon. I remember the first Pokemon game I played, I had to actually restart at the Elite Four because I just spent the whole game running away from random encounters. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a waste of time. Why would I want to fight these guys? So I guess I'll just go through the thoughts I had when I played Fire Red Leaf Green. Okay. Um, just sort of give, give us some context. Yeah. For how you so, got into the game. Well, basically, it's... Oh, yes. Yeah. But, well, and also because this is... These two games actually are what I was playing when I had this sort of thing of, oh, this is what Pokemon is. 20 years after. Right, yeah. Um, so, the first thing is, I thought Pikachu would be rare, but it was the 12th Pokemon I saw. Yep. So that was interesting. Like, I, you would think without playing the games that Pikachu is, like, a big deal. <laughs> and I guess in the anime... It's become it a sort of increasingly is. big deal. Yeah. Now they always put, like, special Pikachus in. Oh, okay. I don't know if this was real, but there was a rumour you could get a sur- surfing Pikachu. Interesting. This, this is probably also something else we should touch on. The extent to which schoolyard rumour sort of pervaded these games is kid yeah so like if you go to cinnabar island and you you touch this truck and then you go into this other thing you can get a free mew although if you could you could surf you could surf up and down cinnabar the coast of cinnabar island and encounter a quote unquote pokemon called missing no which was just like a pile of corrupted data <laughs> that would be cool if it was actually a pokemon <laughs> you could catch it oh really but i think you ran the risk of corrupting your game if you yeah, did so oh, yeah true because if it's saved into the pokedex or whatever yeah so that was the surprise the pikachu was just a regular pokemon i think it was voted the most popular or something and that's why they sort of turned it into the series mascot yeah well the fact that it became a mascot sort of explained everything but i thought that it would be like i, d- I knew that it wasn't a legendary pokemon but i thought it would be like something you get at the end of the game if you're lucky yeah right <laughs> like sort of job well done thing. yeah or like there's only one and you have to find it oh yeah rather than they're actually everywhere in certain areas um i think that pikachu obviously being the biggest example of pokemon they were really pushing when the franchise launched right. and other ones i think were clefairy or jigglypuff I remember Jigglypuff being like the one I knew the name of. Jigglypuff may have come placed second in a poll to be the iconic Pokemon of the cartoon. I think I heard that at some point, but I don't have a source on that, which is why it also has a significant role in the cartoon where it will show up, sing a song that puts everyone to sleep because that's that Pokemon thing, yeah. and then get really angry and draw on their faces. <laughs> the only other Pokemon I remember from back in the day was Geodude because every time we would get the little cards and bags of chips and stuff, it would be Geodude. <laughs> 
Then my second note was only having six Pokemon at a time is really dumb. <laughs> I would imagine that was probably a, like a memory limitation or something. Yeah, it probably was. Speaking of memory limitations, I recently found out that allegedly, at least in the early games, or, you know, the Pokemon make a noise when you, you encounter them or release them. Okay. Uh, apparently that is all the same um, sound clip, sort of just modulated. Oh, so and pitched differently. Yeah, pitched differently, played at different speeds. Which That's is interesting. An interesting bit of trivia yeah. for the, the poker, poker fans out there. Uh, yeah, so I, the other part, so having six at a time obviously is a pain because you have to keep going back to the computer to get others but also it was annoying that you have to keep like I found I was swapping them around a lot in battle mm-hmm. so it was kind of like why don't you just share my experience amongst all of them if I can only have six rather than making me push all these <laughs> buttons and delay the game there is an item you can get at least in later experience games share. That. Yeah. yeah in so later in this game I got experience share but you could it was a whole item for just one of your other that's Pokemon, right yeah so you couldn't share it with all of them I think you could get I'm thinking you could find an experience all somewhere there might be one I don't think I found it if there was no. but it's possible um, so my next thing was even though the game wouldn't work at all without random battles I hate them well it's like <laughs> I also hate random battles it's basically a JRPG when you strip away all the collectible monsters and stuff so yeah. your six are your party of characters that you are engaging with and that's a very common thing yeah, in those and games you have random battles where you have except yeah and obviously in a lot of other JRPGs your party are humans with personalities and you know you might have eight friends and you can have three or for active at a time. Um, and I mean, a lot of this would be memory limitations as yes, far as yes. only having six, of course. But yeah, it was just interesting to me that they've basically built a game around something that is designed pretty much to be frustrating. <laughs> I, I don't think they made random battles to be frustrating, but they they can't not be frustrating. But also, I guess, in this game specifically, without the random battles, you also can't find the Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. So random it's battles built, are also the game, recruitment. It relies on a mechanic which is inherently going to be <laughs> annoying, because anytime you're trying to get somewhere, you keep getting interrupted by yeah. everything. Stay out of the tall grass, and also caves, and also yeah. water. I also alluded to something else I want to touch on there with our sort of JRPG party mechanic where in other JRPGs, often you'll have a silent protagonist but then everyone else in the party has very specific personalities that they push frequently. Whereas in this, you've got your silent protagonist and then a bunch of creatures that just make the same noise pitched in different ways. So yeah. there's no real way to apply... They're the perfect cipher protagonist and they have no personality at all. Mm. I actually found there were a few times where not talking was kind of weird. It might have been in Gold, I think, where there's... At, at some point, a girl asks you to come to the dance theatre with her and you don't have the option of saying yes <laughs> or doing it. I remember some of those, sometimes in those games you'd be able to say yes or no. In I remember in um, Golden Sun, which is similar, I guess, as far as JRPG, they ha- like, you could always give, like... Oh, yeah, smiley face, frowny face. Yeah, but you couldn't... The, it would it was specifically, like, people would be like, oh, you don't so much, do you? No, yeah. Yeah, so not, not talking is interesting kind of weird in some bits. in Golden Sun 2, mm. how you, started, you played as a character who was a sort of rival character in Golden Sun 1 in that game, and then all of a sudden he's silent, and no one is like, why have you stopped Stop talking? talking? Yeah. Oh, so I noticed when you learn a HM, it looks horrifyingly like putting an angle grinder to the Pokemon's face. What? I've never noticed this. It's it's because it's like a spinning disc that it overlays over their head. Right. It was kind of horrifying. Oh, is that in red? Fire, fire red. red okay, yeah, I don't yeah. remember the animation in Golden Silver. I couldn't remember what yeah. it was like in Gold. Fun fact, um, yeah. apparently, according to data miners for the upcoming Sun and Moon generation, I guess, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know any info about that, they've removed HMs from the game. Are they all TMs or something? Well, like, they will have different mechanics, like Pokemon riding to get you over obstacles uh, that you would otherwise use HMs for. I think I probably prefer that. Because mm. 
you know, it's pretty frustrating having to always have, or when you're going to a certain area, always have something that knows Flash in your party. Um, my next few notes are just like other little funny things. Well, so, let's hear them. Uh, this character has a terrible relationship with their mother. Yep. Because um, ma- you visit her and she's just like, she tells you something that's important, but not at all personal. And then that's it. Like, you, you don't really... <laughs> talk. At least in this, in uh, Gold and Silver, silver as opposed to uh, Red and Blue, you could have your mother's mobile number. Well, the other thing is that she, I had it set to the thing where in Gold where she would get half of my money. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did, I did that too, but I can't remember why you would ever want to. Well, I thought it was going to be to save money, uh, but then she kept spending it on stuff on the TV. <laughs> So I think it was just a mechanic to, to introduce you to the fact that you can buy stuff off the TV or something. I don't remember that at all. Uh, Rapidash sounds too much like a vegetable. Basically, I, kept, I was mainly using Blastoise, and I kept every time it would be like, a Rapidash is coming out, I'd swap out Blastoise <laughs> to something else thinking it was a vegetable, and then it was a fire Pokemon, and Blastoise would have been perfect. Yep. Um, there's a bit where the bike path seems to cover an area which is the ocean on the map. It's probably like a bridge, I guess. No, you can see ground. Like, it's ground in this game. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Whereas in the other ones, the bike path often is over water. Yeah, yeah. It's just the towns that you move between. If you look at the map, it's like, that. wait, how did I... The thing I always remember about the bike path is the cartoon episode where it's revealed that um, Jesse and James, the Team Rocket members, used to be in a bike gang. Not like a biker gang. They were in a gang of people who rode around on bicycles, like hitting people with chains and stuff. Oh, no. There's a very clear but shot. But they have that in the game. There's characters like that. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. It's, like, it's such a weird sort of juvenilized version of an organized crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. Having to throw a hundred balls to catch a thing sitting in the open is a weird idea of a puzzle. <laughs> what was that thing? That, it was basically every. So in Pokemon Gold, it was much better. In Fire Red, Leaf Green, and I don't know if it's the same in Red and Blue, to catch any of the legendaries in particular, but also just regular Pokemon sometimes, you'd have to throw quite a lot of Pokeballs. Were you reducing their HP? Yeah, like the, even... I mean, I hadn't put them to sleep or anything, probably. No. But you, so, I mean, for the legendaries, you would put them to sleep. Mm-hmm. They'd only have, like, one hit point left, and you still have to throw 100. Using Ultra Balls? Yep. Okay. It's just specifically designed to <laughs> be impossible. Were you holding down on the D-pad and mashing A? <laughs> I probably was. That's one of those schoolyard <laughs> things. And so it felt like, okay, they're trying to make it difficult. But when when it's just down to chance, and you can't actually learn to be better at it, that's not a good challenge. Whereas in gold, they, like, it only took me two goes to catch Lugia. So I know that, and I think, like, 12 goes to catch, what's the other one? ho Mewtwo. <laughs> so I knew that, it, like, they'd obviously had changed it, and I assumed that was, unless I was just lucky two times. And I think that was a good way to go. Because it's just frustrating when you can't actually learn to be better, and yet they've made it super difficult. Yeah. I think they have added some sort of, I don't know, some sort of skill mechanic to... That, well, that would be better. Later ones, where, like, if you press... I'm just conjecturing slash half half remembering if I'm right here, where if you say press A, the moment it opens on the screen, you get a better chance. Or... Right. I mean, that could easily be something that people think is true. And also, and also that's true. But also we have like data mining and stuff these days. Yeah. As of gold and silver, to a very minor extent, but it's expanded on the later games, they add different sort of Pokeballs that are more effective in different circumstances. Yeah. So you have a ball that might be more effective if a Pokemon is in water. Or... Yeah, I think Gen 3 has that. Um, there's one that works... 
particularly well on low-level Pokemon or something. Yes, that's right. One that works particularly well if you use it on the first turn of combat. Yeah. And also the coveted Luxury Ball, which is a black Pokemon with, like, red and gold trim that is no better than a regular Pokeball catching-wise, I don't think, but makes your Pokemon happier and looks cool. Ah, that's interesting. My final note is that at the beginning of the game, they have this bit where your rival is like... I'm going to get the map of the area from my sister and I'm going to tell her not to show it to you. And then you go and see the sister and she just gives it to you and doesn't even mention that he's asked <laughs> her not to. Um, so the, I don't know if that was because I didn't program anything in, but it was just funny. But Like, I liked that kind of sibling dynamic yeah. of just ignoring him totally. Something else that's also probably mentioned, worth touching on just for a sort of perspective thing is they're doing this Pokemon Generations YouTube series right now, which is stories from the different generations of Pokemon in about three to four minute videos from the perspective of characters you meet but aren't ever the main protagonist. So just people who were around. So like there's an episode based on um, the rival from Red and Blue fighting the Elite Four. Oh, And yes. an episode that's based on um, the rival from Gold and Silver who is a really terrifying young man. <laughs> He's apparently actually the Team Rocket leader's son. That's interesting. And they have a convers- his episode is a conversation he has with a character I think they created for Fire Red, Leaf Green, Soul Silver, Heart Gold and Amika Ruby and... Alpha Sapphire, called Luca, who is a David Tennant-looking guy who works for Interpol. Um, so then I guess to move into the things I noticed with Pokemon Gold... Yeah, let's actually talk about it. Okay. <laughs> At the very beginning, there were a few things that I found quite funny. I don't know if it was just translation things or okay. if it was in the original. So the first thing is when you get the starter Pokemon options, they introduce it as, here are three rare Pokemon that we just found. Yep. As if they're rare, but they were also just lying around somewhere convenient. <laughs> so we're going to give them to a kid. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's the core conceit of the game. I mean, they are rare. You can only get one of them. Yeah. But it felt weird to say that. And Yeah. And the next thing was I really enjoyed that his name is Professor Elm. I don't like Professor Elm very much. I don't think I liked him, but I liked that that was his name. Yeah. Professor Oak in the previous... Well, they're all named after trees, I think. Right. Because those are the only two that I know. People are really attracted to both the X and Y Professor. Mm. Um, oh, I think he's just like a burly dad type. And the Pokemon Go Professor, who is just... Because it's about a game about walking, he wears like exercise gear and is really uh, Do they have tree names as well? Yes. I think one of them is Willow. That makes sense. Uh, and then the third thing was there's a guy, there's a character in the game called Mr. Pokemon. Is that, what does he do? He He's the guy that near the start, Professor Elm is like, oh, I need you to do That's a right. thing. That's right. You have to go and get, get the Pokedex from him or something? Yeah, something like that. Is he Mr. Pokemon? Uh, it might have been you had to get an egg from him, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, my next point is that it was odd to come from Fire Red Leaf Green because clearly they had been made later and they graphically looked a bit better. They had more colours. Yeah. But also they were set earlier and I could, so they had less Pokemon <laughs> Wait, but, what? Well, because they were remakes of the Gen 1 Oh, games. right, yes, yes. So they, they introduced a lot of new features in Pokemon Gold, some of which were much more successful than others. They really leaned heavily on the day-night cycle in it. Um, I don't know if you noticed since you weren't really catching Pokemon, mm. but uh, certain Pokemon could only be found in da- a day and certain could only be found at night, and it used the, um, the game's internal clock to monitor that. Yeah, uh, I remember finding it very frustrating as a kid because... Yeah, wait. <laughs> well, as a kid, on a sort of school schedule i was mostly playing in the late afternoon early evening so there were pokemon that were much harder for me to get than they otherwise would have been yeah i i think i like it in principle more than i like it in practice it would be good i like the idea of the game having a time cycle but not necessarily that it is the same as the real cycle yeah 
Uh, and then also there's the phone, which was basically constantly ringing. Yeah. And they did a good thing with that where you could give your number to other trainers and they could call you for a rematch, which is a nice idea in principle. But in practice, I found that although they slightly leveled up, it was never enough because I would always have the same party out to be a new challenge. And I mean, I never used that in playing it because I... Do you have to go and find them again? Yes, and but you yeah, can't remember exactly. where they are. Which is a pain. But it's still an innovation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an idea that... Okay, in principle. And it's nice to... Like, my mum kept calling and saying, I bought this yeah. thing off the TV, so... Uh, there was the radio, which was dope. The radio station in Kanto is where the ghost tower was three years ago in red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. So they knocked down this site that is a, like, a sort of sacred been... Pokemon graveyard thing, yeah. which is... Empirically haunted yeah. and built a radio shack there. <laughs> and then had problems with it. <laughs> Do you remember you actually encounter like a straight up ghost in in that tower yeah. in the first game? Not a not a ghost. Not a ghost Pokemon. Pokemon, an actual ghost. Yeah. It's like um some other Pokemon's mum or whatever. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure some of those nuns in there were possessed too. Yeah, the whole thing was all these people were like, I'm gonna attack you, and then you beat them and they're like what happened? I just blacked yeah. out for a while. So ghosts are real. You knock down their houses and it's fine. Yeah. The, so the next thing I noticed was that this game, and the other games didn't really do this, this one focuses a lot on being a good trainer and loving your Pokemon mm. as a story mechanic. And it sort of contrasts that... You, to your rival. Yeah, who is... He starts off as... A real, real rough around the... He, he steals his starter Pokemon. Uh, he basically threatens you for the whole first yeah. half of the game. and he always talks about how he only cares about strong Pokemon. Yeah, it feels like if he had a Pokemon that was a knife, he would stab you with it. <laughs> but the, so the interesting thing about this to me and why I brought it up is that it's a weird thing to do given that loving your Pokemon is not a part of the game. <laughs> so you could quite easily have a player sitting there thinking, but I too only care about strong Pokemon. Well, they also, they also added in a sort of secret happiness stat in this game. And certain ah. Pokemon will only evolve if they have happiness above a certain level. Right. Like uh, Togepi. Um, That's one I had. Mm -hmm. uh, I think possibly a couple of the Eevee revolu evolutions require a certain amount of happiness too. Right. Yeah, so it's just interesting that I think they could probably rely on most players actually trying to yeah. collect Pokemon and spending a lot of time with them and stuff. But it was interesting that the story relied on your <laughs> yeah. character being a particular way that it didn't actually have to be. <laughs> and then in, um, in later games too, they added some mechanics like um, you can open up a little screen and like pat your Pokemon and feed it treats. Yeah. And I assume that they added that because they couldn't do things like that in the early games yeah, for memory yeah. reasons. But they, like the story in this, I guess, tells you that they wanted that to be a thing. Yeah. And Heart Gold and Soul Silver had a sort of thematically similar feature where you could have the top Pokemon in your party walking behind you, which you could interact with it, I that's think, and it would like chirp happily or whatever. I guess that's similar to Gold, how they had Pokemon. Yellow. Pikachu for yeah. <laughs> Yellow. <laughs> There's a whole storyline in an area where they're cutting off Slowpoke tails. Yes, Team Rocket. I, that was let's, so let's talk, horrifying Let's talk about the Team Rocket plot in general. Like. Yeah, okay, talk about that. So, Team Rocket in this game, in the last gym of the previous games, you defeated Giovanni, the Team Rocket leader, who was also secretly the 8th gym leader. And he's like, I'm just banning Team Rocket because you've shown me that Pokemon are whatever. Um, and then this game is about sort of the remnants of Team Rocket trying to recreate it. Yeah, and there's really not that much of a story. And I liked it because it was very sequely, mm. which is, I don't know why I felt that that was a good thing, but in this case I did. I, I like their sort of escalation there where they st you, you first encountered them selling Slowpoke Tales. And I don't think you even know if they're Team Rocket at the time. Well, the, the horrifying thing there was that I thought that that meant the slope, like with elephant tusks or shark fins or whatever. Whatever, how the animal dies and you only wanted a small part right. of it. And then later 
on, they eventually reveal the Slowpoke survived this process. Yeah. But to me, it was a little bit late to hear that. So, it's kind so of a yeah, they are, they're cutting off Slowpoke tails and selling that on the black market to create mm. mo- uh, money to get their criminal enterprise back off the ground. But also, I looked up at the, the plot of the game on Wikipedia last night, and apparently there's also some sort of subplot that I don't remember about how they were cutting off the Slowpoke tails to make it rain. They would try and make it rain, and they usually use the Slowpokes to do that, but they couldn't because they'd all gone into hiding because of the tails okay, being cut off or right. something like that. So the reason you did the quest to get getting rid of Team Rocket in that area... Yeah, to help Kirk. Um, ...was to get them to be able to make it rain again. It's funny the weird details I remember. Yeah. That guy's name. That's funny. I don't, I don't have any idea who that is. <laughs> He's the guy who makes, that makes apricorn balls for you. Ah. In this area, or slightly after it, I found a tailless slowpoke holding mail for someone. Aww. Could you catch it? No, it was just sitting there. Yeah, that's just really sad. It just sort of had this feeling of it doesn't belong anywhere. Or it's, <laughs> it's, it used to belong to a person who is gone. And of course not having a tail. So yeah. It's like a victim who... But that's really going to stunt their growth because I don't know how much you know about slowpoke biology. <laughs> no, nothing. But they evolve in the fiction when a shelter bites their tail and they t- oh, turn yeah. into slowbro. They're like um selectively bred pugs to be, <laughs> to be pets. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of dogs there. Yeah, but, you know, the sort of way it sort of, yeah, stunts their biological structure to make them cuter. Uh, So then Team Rocket, uh, I think you next encounter them at the Lake of Rage. Possibly there's a guy blocking a path before then, but... Is that where you get the red going? Yeah, so they've got a secret facility there where they've been trying to mind control Pokemon and or force them to evolve, and that's been making the Magikarp in the Lake of Rage evolve into Gyarados and making the Gyarados Rampage. Uh, So then you and Lance uh, team up to take him down, which is probably the most plot-heavy sequence of the game. Yeah, I enjoyed that you were teaming up with somebody as a way of introducing a character. Yeah. And it's like, oh, who's this cool guy? Like, he's helping me fight the bad guys. Yeah. And then when he turns out to be the champ, well, then also the eighth gym leader is a friend of his. Yeah, yeah. And then he turns out to be the champion. It's like, Lance is cool. Yeah, but also it was good that he wasn't, like, annoyingly, oh, now we are rivals. And he wasn't like, huh, try to keep up with me. Yeah, yeah, he was just kind of friendly. He was like, hey, we need to save these Pokemon. Yeah, and but then even later on when you fight him, it was just like, Oh, this will be fun for us to yeah. spend time I'm, together. I'm, gla- I'm glad you made it here. Let's yeah. see what you've learned. Exactly. There is one more Team Rocket bit we should uh, address. Because oh, okay. it's probably one of, the, one of the sort of best... The only twist of the game, really. Where after you've reached a certain point, you turn on your radio. And it's not the usual radio. It's the Team Rocket broadcast. I don't remember that. Okay, so Team Rocket take over the radio station in Goldenrod City. Don't know why I remember the name of that city. Yep. <laughs> um, that's the city with the um, where you get the bike, and it has a a electric bullet train thing. Yep. And Bill lives there, yeah. and he gives you an Eevee. <laughs> um, they take it over, and they are broadcasting, being like, "Team Rocket's back, Giovanni, come and join us." And apparently, uh, in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, if you participated in a special limited time event, the Mew equivalent Pokemon in this game, Celebi, yeah, Celebi. Or Kellaby, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was saying Celebi yep. in my head. Uh, would take you back in time to when that happened, when the radio broadcast was happening, uh, in the area, the waterfall area that would lead you to the Elite, elite Four. Oh, yes. And you would meet Giovanni in a cave there, and he'd be like, Team Rocket's back, better go join him. And then you'd fight him, and he'd be like, well, I guess that's not happening, <laughs> because Team Rocket guys give up when you <laughs> defeat their yeah. Pokemon. Well, they do. <laughs> it's not like you've arrested them or killed them or anything. Yeah. So, well... Time for me to retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but speaking of limited time events, I'm not sure how I feel about that as a thing that they do with these games. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a way to keep the community engaged. I, well, I think it's good at the time, but then you can't possibly finish the game in some ways. I mean, I, they're not sort of critical events. I guess... No, but for, no. I think a lot of the whole motivation in this game is collecting everything and finishing everything. True. You can't do that. To, I mean, you can treat it as, I finished mm. everything that I can without these limited time events. But it just sort of feels like... Kind of rude to the people who are following the motivation yeah. that the game is giving you. Well, I guess it's kind of been a staple of the franchise from the beginning because that's how you would get Mew or Celebi. Yeah. You would go to, I don't know, EB Games and give them your cartridge and they would run it through a thing and be like, well, here's your Pokemon. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea for the community when you play it in the time that it's supposed to be played. Mm. But when you play the game 20 years after it came out... Yeah. It doesn't quite work. It's artificial scarcity. Yeah. Um, and it yeah, it just sort of feels like, why did you design a game I can't possibly finish? And also, when I was a kid, I remember being like, don't really want to restart this game ever now because I have the, the Pokemon I'll never be able to get back. Yeah. Of course, eventually I figured out that at least with like Mew, I could just trade that back to yellow, then trade it so back once I was... you trade it back and forward if you yeah. start again. And of course now nothing's unobtainable because they have online trading, which I never really use, but I think you could say, you could like put out a trade request being like seeking this, willing to trade this, and then if that ever matched up, right. then you could... Or R- you could or rather you... than being forced to get whatever someone gives you. Yeah, but they also have the wonder trade feature where you can just... Where you can just do yeah. that, yeah. Um, so yeah, then you beat Team Rocket at the radio station and they're like, well, we tried. I guess we're all going to retire now. I mean, one of my notes further in is, oh, that is that all the story? Okay. It was, so it was interesting yeah. that this story was kind of minimal. But then there's also the subplot about the legendaries, which I guess is rebuilding that burnt out tower um, and finding those, what are they, dogs, cats? Oh, yeah. I th- I think that they look kind of like dogs to me. Yeah. But I don't know what they actually are. They're Suicune, Entei, and Raikou. And I think, I think they're... I think all of the legendaries in this are sort of inspired by sort of Japanese mythology. Um, Why not her is a thing in... Japanese mythology. Um, because obviously they, with the exception of Lugia, they all, or Lugia, they all reside in Ecritique, which is really heavily traditional Japanese architecture. And Oh, um, I was speaking of special events, this game had an equivalent of those, um, mm. where on certain days of the week you could encounter certain NPCs who would give you items and stuff. Oh. The one I remember is Santos of Saturday. So you'd be like, hey, I'm Santos of Saturday. Here, have this ribbon. Is so you had to play on a Saturday to get yeah. That's interesting. Mm. There were a few times I got stuck on things because the puzzle solution was to just randomly have somehow magically known that you had to talk to someone in a totally unrelated <laughs> area and get something. I guess it's meant to be sort of encouraging exploration. Yeah, well, I guess they assume... And it's, I mean, it's not that hard to talk to everyone. It would be better if there was some actual logical mm. solution. Or even if it's someone in the area you're in. So, like, when you need surf, the guy you have to get it from is not in the area where you actually first find that you need it. Right. I remember a specific point in my first playthrough of it where I really would have appreciated some more guidance. Because there's that one town where sort of the map brings you up to it. And then to the left you have, I think, the water and or steel and or fighting gyms. And then to the right you have the ice gym, which is much higher level than the previous ones. Because right. you're expected to go left first. But in my first game, I went right first. And I was oh, like, no. Why is everything so tough here? <laughs> yeah. Eventually, because I was a kid, I just grounded out and beat that. And then the left side was really easy. Yeah. I mean, I found a similar thing with like not doing what the game wanted me to in Fire Red Leaf Green, where I actually just did not go to the power plant. Oh, okay. Um, and then found out I was like, oh, why? Where? Where can I get some electric Pokemon? <laughs> 
and finding out about that by Googling. Right. But yeah, it's interesting how as a kid, like, the solution to finding Pokemon that were much higher level than you wasn't to go like, oh, I guess I must have gone the wrong way, is to, oh, well, I guess I need to spend a couple of days here just fighting random encounters near this Pokemon Center. Yeah, you assume that the game is doing everything yeah. it's supposed to. Because I remember I got stuck on Whitney in the normal type gym and her mill tank for a long time. <laughs> right. Because that would just consistently use rollout and destroy me. Mm. Uh, so I was like, well, I guess this is just another Whitney mill tank situation. <laughs> yeah. It is funny, how, like, just the difference in playing a game as a kid versus playing as an adult. Yeah. You're, you're more inclined to explore, I think, and see everything in it. And yeah. Sort of less goal-oriented. I thought it was nice how you could return to the Kanto region after you beat, beat the Elite Four and see how, like, you, it was very obviously, for memory purposes, it was a very stripped down version of it. But um, I liked how, you know, we touched on the radio station being the new ghost tower and uh, Cinnabar Island was destroyed by a volcanic yeah. eruption. One of my notes was, oh no, Cinnabar <laughs> Island, frowny face. Yeah. That was kind of horrifying. I can see why they did it for memory reasons. Mm -hmm. I was reading um, that apparently the cartridges for gold and silver, the, the internal batteries in them run out much quicker than other Game Boy Advance games because of I guess A how jam-packed it is yeah. and B um, the internal clock stuff because uh, at the time Game Boys running. and stuff didn't have their own internal clocks that it would rely on yep. it had to keep track of it itself well because in other games they just used the steps you took as a way to measure time mm. so it's interesting they moved away from that and later ones like Diamond and Pearl would just use the DS's clock yeah which of course is much easier yeah um, I've written a note that there was a guy who was saying when like a random battle guy who was like Fly high into the sky, my bird Pokemon. And then they were all Doduos. <laughs> oh, I really liked it. We should talk about Pokemon we like, I guess. I like Doduo. I don't have particular ones I like or dislike. Okay, do you... You don't even have any you particularly dislike? What about that one... Oh, I don't like how too many of them are pink. What about that one fisherman or that's purple. in every game that has six... With all the magic with six magic <laughs> I don't mind him. <laughs> They're easy to kill. <laughs> The, some of the designs, I don't really like them. Like, I, I know this is kind of a thing at the moment with people complaining for no reason, but I do prefer the ones that are based on animals rather than the ones that are based on objects. I think that, that's a perfectly valid opinion to have. I think the reason people get irritated about that opinion is it's often coming from the angle of Generation 1 Pokemon were based on animals and were better. New yeah. Pokemon are not and are worse. Whereas in Generation 1, you have the Pokemon that is a ball that evolves into a different coloured ball. Yeah, and all the Magnet ones. Yeah, and, and like the one that's a ball made of gas yeah. and the one that's a ball with arms. Yeah, there are quite a few that are clearly not based on animals. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess things like Geodude obviously is based on a rock. Yeah. And I don't really mind that. It's just, like, the magnet ones and stuff. I just feel weird about, the, like, because it's a human-made object, I guess. Right. It okay. feels weird that to have naturally an that looks like it. Yeah. And they specifically have the artificial Pokemon Porygon. So that's unusual. So the other ones supposedly evolved naturally or yeah. whatever, and yet they look exactly like human -made I guess, objects. like, magnetic rocks and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can see they why they did it. They become Steel-type as of Gold and Silver. Right. And there are Steel-type Pokemon, like Steelix. Yeah. And Skarmory, which is a bird made of steel. Steel, yeah. <laughs> I like the ones that you, you, know, you don't really expect to see. Yeah. Like, there's a bird in a later generation that's a Luchador. <laughs> it's, okay. It's Hall and It's, fight, it's uh, flying, fighting. That, well, that makes sense. Oh, well, the fighting ones all look kind of... Like, yeah. the early ones look like sumo wrestlers and yeah. stuff. Yeah, the Pokemon in... There's a, a disturbing amount of Pokemon, particularly in Generation 1, that are just like... 
a guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mr. Mime and the fighting ones. It's like, oh, hello, human who I've made fight for me. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird. So I remember as a kid, I basically always used maybe the same dozen Pokemon. And yeah. I must have played this game about ten times as a child. Do you, well, I find that as... I mean, so for instance, my sister and I always used to play Monopoly and we would do the exact same thing every time we played it. So I don't know if that's a kid thing to do. Where <laughs> I, I get, it's like doing the ritual rather than... I didn't always have the exact same party, but there were always sort of common elements. Like, I, I think all but one time I picked the water starter Totodile because I prefer it. Yeah. Well, I went with the fire one when I played. Ah. I don't remember Cinder what was. Yeah, that's it. See, I can't remember my family's birthday, but I remember the names <laughs> of probably all of the first two generations of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, then I would have that. I'd have a, uh, a Pidgeot, a Raticate, a Haunter, and or a Kadabra, because I would rarely have a friend I would trade with to evolve them. <laughs> right. Uh, always the Red Gyarados, because it was special. Yep. It made me special. Aww. And then, you know, a couple of other things to fill the slot. It's interesting you were talking about the leveling mechanics earlier because I remember at least the first few times I played it I would have three Pokemon um, I remember most vividly it being a Raticate, my Feraligator and a Haunter that I kept at the same level and they were like my fighting team then I would have sort of descending levels of usefulness until I had say a level 30 um, Centred or whatever that evolves into I kept in, I kept in my party because it was one of the Pokemon that I kept in my party because I was a kid and that's what you did yeah. but it always got knocked out on the first Pokemon of the Elite Four and never got any levels but I had to keep it at the top of my party because how else would it level up and then sort of <laughs> going up from there through like the Red Gyarados and the Le- and the Legendary well I mean I guess so I'll tell you what Pokemon I had used uh, so basically when I played it when you implied this earlier because you already know by the time I played Gold, I picked up on the fact that the game is actually a lot easier if you're going to beat the Elite Four, if you really just use one Pokemon for everything. So I ended up with Typhlosion at level 82, and then the other Pokemon on my team at the end, the next best one was her at level 42, so <laughs> 40 levels lower. And then Gyarados at level 30, and then I also had Sentret at level 11, a Togepi at level 5, and a Pidgey at level 2, which I had on my team because it had Fly. Right. <laughs> um, my friend Matt... Uh... Um, in Diamond and Pearl era introduced me to the idea of the HM slave which is oh, yeah, the, the sixth, one you have the sixth Pokemon in your party that knows surf and strength and cut Bidoof in Diamond and Pearl generation was really good for that right well there were some that I basically only had on my team because they were the only one who had surf I think that's why I had the Gyarados there that's also part of the reason why I think I also tended towards the water starter is so I always had a water Pokemon because surf is also a, a de- as far as the HMs go a decent fighting move yeah so it's not replacing a good yeah. move with something else Yeah. Uh, but how did that work out for you through Kanto and um, to the secret challenge in Mount Silver with Red, the previous game's protagonist. Because I remember talking to you while you were doing the Red fight and you were like, oh, I'm in a spot of bother now. Yeah, but it turned out fine. I had to do it a couple of times, I think. But I would mainly use Typhlosion and then there would be a couple of times where I would trade someone else out, they would die, and then I would bring Typhlosion back and I would be... It's like a max revive or something? (laughs) Yeah, so probably Typhlosion died or fainted and then I revived Typhlosion while someone else was being attacked kind of thing. Yeah. But so I ended up fine. Usually he was like 10 levels higher at least than anything I was fighting anyway so it was kind of fine till you ran out of fire blasts but well then you would use the potion to <laughs> fix that yeah it's true <laughs> Should we talk about the um, the secret, I guess what you'd call him like the secret boss of the game? Um, how you, I think it's really fun how, because this is so obviously a sequel game, you get to, as we touched on earlier, go through Kanto, see what's changed. Then when you've done that, you go into Mount Silver, the mysterious mountain that borders the two regions. And then you fight basically the protagonist of Pokemon Yellow because he had all of the starters and a Pikachu. 
first thing I noticed was it, that it was cool that the Generation 1 rival, Blue, was the Viridian gym leader. Yeah. And then the second thing, and then I was like, oh, but what about the protagonist? Okay, whatever. Assuming he wouldn't be in the game. But yeah, it was funny that so and nice that he was in Mount Silver. Yeah. So it was also just interesting that he, like having played Gen 1 games, or the remakes anyway, it sort of felt like the way they set that up as your player being really nice to Pokemon, that kind of thing. It actually felt really appropriate that this character would just be wandering around finding stuff where the other one would be a gym leader. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was appropriate that you didn't fight the previous protagonist in the Elite Four or whatever. Oh, I was just speaking of the Elite Four. Um, one of the Generation 1 gym leaders becomes a Generation 2 Elite Four, which I think is fun. Uh, Koga, the poison guy. That's cool. Yeah, I think, I guess it shows there's a bit of a job mobility in the Pokemon yeah, world. Yeah, and just continuity. It makes sense that you would go up the ladder sometimes. Yeah. I'm not really sure what the, the structure of the Pokemon League is though. There are eight people who work in gyms with underlings yeah. who give badges to one to two children per game. Mm. Although this is the one who breaks the rules and won't give you the badge. Is that Whitney? I just wrote, okay, but pretty sure this dragon lady is breaking the rules by oh, not okay. giving me a badge. Oh yeah, you had to go into the cave behind her. Yeah. That was um Lance's friend whose name I don't remember. Oh, that's right. In the cartoon, there's no Elite Four or anything. The, oh. the Pokemon League is a tournament. So it's like a World Cup type thing. Yeah, or I think it always reminded me of the Olympics as a kid. Yeah. But I think there is an episode about like lighting the torch or something, which is Moltres Flame. Whenever I see images from the series or whatever and they're in a stadium, is that what that is? Presumably. Could could also be a gym. So the gyms have stadiums as well. Well they always have like a standardized arena thing with a Oh okay. It's like a soccer pitch. Yeah, okay, so it could be both. They did something really interesting with Mystery Misty's gym in the cartoon. <laughs> because Misty isn't the gym leader in in the show because she's Ash's friend who he owes a bike to for getting electrocuted and struck by lightning or whatever. Her sisters run the gym, but they don't really like being gym leaders. They prefer being synchronised swimmers. Okay. So when they get there, the gym is like a um, an arena, like a swimming arena, like you would see at like SeaWorld or a synchronised swimming place. And there are all these people cheering, so excited to see this synchronised swimming. <laughs> so I guess in Pokemon world, there are two popular sports, Pokemon and synchronised swimming. swimming. Yeah. <laughs> The rest of my notes are just things that annoyed me. Okay, let's. Let, <laughs> you want to just like fire some It's driving me insane to keep throwing things away to pick up more stuff. <laughs> Did you ever? You, you said you haven't played a lot of um, JRPGs, but yeah. you mentioned you played Golden Sun. Maybe you didn't. That the mentality that oh, I can't use these potions now. I might need them later. I and mean, then you get to the end boss, and you still have an inventory full of regular potions. Yeah. And... There are some games where I do end up using all those things at the end, but for this game, I never really used anything, and it was just hugely annoying. <laughs> to keep picking up Because your key items also took up that space, didn't they? Yeah, I think so, maybe. I think at least one game they did. Um, my next note was the walking speed in these games should be illegal because <laughs> it was too slow. <laughs> in later ones, they add running as well. But, well, I mean, I think even in this, they I mean, they have the bike and yeah. stuff. But you have to push so many buttons to get on the bike. You could you could make it your quick slot. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, you can press, uh, you would key it to select and you press select. Oh. And, but you can only do that with one item at a time. Right. And, I mean, I assume in the DS it might be easier to do things like that. True, yeah. Because you don't have to go through a whole series of menus. You could do that in, two in the regular one too though. Right. No, I mean not just the oh, quick right, yeah. like you could ha you can actually have a list of things to do and you wouldn't have to go through a whole series of menus to find it. Yeah, I think I think in at least Diamond and Pearl you had like three quick buttons at the bottom of your screen on the, the uh, bottom screen. Where you, could, screen yeah. you could press like a bag or Pokemon Party or something else. That sounds better. Oh, and I was really annoyed the Whirlpool wasn't a passive ability that would just <laughs> let me pass the Whirlpools and I had to actually sit next to it and do it. Yeah. Then. With a couple of exceptions, like waking up Slowpoke and getting rid of Pseudo Widow, everything
thing is kind of every puzzle is a tool you apply Pokemon to to solve. Yeah. Which I, makes sense, I guess, but... Well, I didn't the, mind the fact that I had to have a Pokemon with the thing to get the hammer. The, the hammer they always use to hit that particular nail is always an HM. Yeah. Whereas, at least in this game, you could have given them, like, a whole a held item or something. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, I was happy enough to have it be a Pokemon that was... I just wish that if that Pokemon was on my team, I didn't have to do anything right, to get past right. the Whirlpools. There might, there might have been some sort of limitation to how they could check that. Yeah, well, and it could be that... The, I don't know a lot about making games. <laughs> Particularly for a Game Boy Color. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there probably were good reasons for it, but it just felt like yet another thing the game is doing to, to get in mm. my way of me getting anywhere. You know what really annoyed me about this game? The ice cavern puzzle. Oh, is that one of the ones where you're sliding around? Yeah, you take a step on the ice and you have to step in the correct order to get through, otherwise you fall down a pit into the, the previous room. Yeah. And you have to backtrack and then come back up and then... I don't mind puzzles like that when you don't have random battles. But, yeah, random battles and also it's a whole cave full of that. Yeah. Like, I quite like the sort of environmental puzzles rather than you're supposed to have talked to someone and got something. Yeah. But the random battles really ruin it for you because it takes half an hour to get back up to the place where you just lost where you were going. And then you can't remember which was the <laughs> right way to go. You can always use a rappel or a max rappel. Oh, the only other thing was just... So, when you were a kid and you played this, did you collect all of Pokemon? I never managed to collect them all because I only ever had one version and didn't have reliable access to a friend with, with the alternate version. But I think in each version that I've owned, I've gotten all the ones in that version at okay. like one point or another. At the end of this, um, I had only collected 34 Pokemon. <laughs> Was there anything fundamentally different that you haven't mentioned already that we're so playing it as a kid versus having another look now? Just that I don't really feel like I have the patience for the sort of static turn-based battles yeah. anymore, particularly in these earlier ones where the the graphical component of the battles is so pared down. Because in the latest ones, they have animated sprites standing on a field. And, yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, there's only so much excitement I can get as, a, as an adult whose childish imagination has been pared down by years of crushing schooling <laughs> from watching two static sprites, like, judder forward at each other slightly and then watching a bar go down. Yeah. I found there was a lot of sort of clicking the button and waiting for things to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, num just static sprites and numbers going up or down doesn't really give me the same sort of thrill it used to. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the game? Shall we, shall we move I mean, into yeah, our, so our overall opinions? conclusion? Yeah, how yeah. are we doing this? Are we... Uh, why don't you go first? Because you probably had an opinion that you no longer have. What summarize your opinion and then therefore recommend, not recommend, approve, disapprove. And I'm also gonna add the the wrinkle of if it's the one if you're the one who's previously played it, you have to add a holds up slash doesn't hold up. Pokemon Gold, regular type, I'm gonna say doesn't hold up, don't bother, because for the reasons I just went over, how it's so pared down compared to the other offerings in the franchise, which are all fundamentally the same game. And particularly since Heart Gold and Soul Silver exists, which is the same game but much prettier to look at and with the excellent little buddy feature that I talked about. Uh, well, I think what you're getting at is that there are games that are built on and improved on the model. Yeah, and especially since Pokemon games are so inherently similar to each other, beyond, say, wanting to experience the very paired backstory or seeing it for the sake of seeing it, I can't imagine why you would ever play any but the most recent one. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to say for this particular version of Pokemon, doesn't hold up, don't bother, look for the newest one. For me playing Pokemon Gold, it was fun enough. I would probably agree with you that it's... I mean, I haven't played any new ones. I think probably why would you bother playing this except in a sort of historical context yeah, kind of way. Yeah. So if you're thinking, oh, I wonder what Pokemon used to be like, this is probably a good one <laughs> to play. 
but otherwise I probably wouldn't bother. I found that the game does a lot of things that are very frustrating, as uh, we discussed. And also, a lot of it, it feels like it's not really fun. It's just that... It, so it feels like you're being manipulated into <laughs> playing it because of things like the urge to collect everything or to complete everything. So yep. the game has a lot of little things, like a lot of games. So for instance, in The Sims, how they have like little mini goals all the time and then you just keep doing it and you sort of lose track of how long you've been playing and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It has a bit of that kind of element of stuff because you're always moving to a new area and that kind of thing. So I, I know I sort of get this feeling like I'm being manipulated into playing a game that I'm not really enjoying that much <laughs> um, because of all the frustrations that so are... So just you have a goal and you're not really getting any thrill out of progressing towards it but you feel obligated to complete it? Uh, well, it's not... The, achieving the goals is all fine. It's just that the game is fundamentally frustrating because it, it relies so much on things like random battles... Like, there's a lot of things where it just sort of gets in the way of playing the game. But if you didn't have those things, the game probably wouldn't work. Right. Um, and Or even just the walking speed. <laughs> so there are a lot of things where, I don't know, it just sort of felt like this is ruining the game for me. But I feel like I should keep playing anyway because of the kind of psychology tricks of getting you addicted to things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so overall I enjoyed it. But I probably wouldn't bother recommending it to anyone unless hmm. they specifically are interested in seeing what Pokemon was like in Generation 2. Yeah. And I, I want to clarify that I did get probably weeks or months of entertainment of pure playtime out of this when I was of age but I feel like gaming technology has advanced sufficiently that for me at least it's kind of been aged out well I think that's true and a lot of the things that I found frustrating had obvious reasons for it so memory limitations that mm -hmm. kind of thing yep. and I think a lot of it they probably wouldn't have done if they made the first game now yeah true and also probably at the time I would have accepted it because that's how all games were mm -hmm. whereas now there are a lot of games that have fixed those problems so <laughs> you expect them to be fixed I think also my tastes have kind of evolved a bit too. I don't really go in for the sort of um, JRPG turn-based combat where people are just standing still in a line, or in this case, one Pokemon in front of At you. At a time, yeah. Yeah, it just, I don't know, it feels a bit sort of um, stilted to me, just the sort of standing there, walking forward, hitting with sword, walking back into place, whereas there's a proliferation these days of, you know, turn-based combat RPGs with like a little map you can move around on, which adds a sort of strategy, different strategic element other than just trying to get the best stats and the best move combos um, which, you know, is strategic in its own element, but that doesn't really give me any thrill. I find that I do tend to be motivated to collect everything in most games. Less so in this run-through, obviously. But, yeah, in this I didn't really care that much. I guess because I felt like, I know I can't possibly collect all of these anyway, so why bother collecting any of them? Yeah. So I well, you know, Magikarp are being overfished, and that's a real threat to the population. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I usually collecting is more of a thing for... I guess because it's not the collecting so much as the... I really like the games where you have to find all the hidden things in every level or whatever uh, which isn't so much a thing here because they're not hidden uh, so maybe it's the hiding that is the bit that I like so um, I've pushed this segment for this show on Bradley I'm not really <laughs> sure why I'm beyond I think it's kind of a joke it's called Review That Pokemon today we're talking about Bulbasaur the first Pokemon in the Pokedex Bulbasaur is one of the three stars you can choose in uh, red, blue or leaf green <laughs> yeah or <well>, fire red <laughs> yep and it is a little dinosaur creature with a a plant bulb on its back. It, in the anime, speaks with a really husky voice. It's Bulbasaur. Uh, any thoughts on Bulbasaur, Bradley? Not really. The, the only real thought I have is that... In, so I noticed in the Pokedex descriptions in the later games, they describe it as this Pokemon has a seed planted in his back from birth, which I just find kind of nightmare-inducing. Yeah. Uh, in the earlier ones, it just said it carries a seed or it's got a seed on his back mm. or something. But 
yeah, that was really horrifying. And that's really the only thing I have to say about Bulbasaur because Bulbasaur doesn't really last very long before evolving. <laughs> no, it has a little fun face though. Um, so yeah, it's, got, it's cute. It's one of the cuter ones, I think. Yeah, it's got eyes that betray a deep pain. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go through Pokemon by Pokemon as we do each episode for some reason. Paris, you know the Pokemon Paris? It's a little insect with mushrooms growing out of its back. Yeah. When that evolves into Parasect, the Pokedex description is that the mushroom has taken over. Oh no. <laughs> the Paris you knew was now gone. Yeah, that's even more horrifying. Yeah. There are a surprising amount of cute looking Pokemon with terrifying Pokedex descriptions. Mm. Bulbasaur. I'm going to give it three Pokeballs out of 150. Uh, I will give it a thumbs up. Cool. Liam, are there any other games that you have been playing recently you'd like to bring up? Thank you for asking me, Bradley. <laughs> Lately I've been playing Metal Gear Solid V. Very fun stealth action game by eccentric Japanese game auteur Hideo Kojima in which you play as Big Boss, the man who used to be Naked Snake who becomes the antagonist of the not-prequel Metal Gear Solid games in which you go around, you travel around Afghanistan and um, Africa sneaking into bases and kidnapping guys by putting balloons on their backs to build your base and make it even better and that's a real satisfying game loop that I really enjoy in which you um, one of your primary methods of dealing with your opposition is to build your base and oftentimes I find base building mechanics in games kind of exhausting because they're either implemented in a way that requires a lot of effort and or a way that is completely separated from the rest of the game but I really like this because it's just really well implemented and also the plot is crazy sounds good yeah yourself you can play anything no okay <laughs> I'm going to tell you about a little game called Pokemon Gold. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, We are thinking that our release schedule will probably be fortnightly. Um, So This is where we develop a signature sign-off at some point. Hi. Bye. (laughs) See you next time. then after you've beaten that, you can periodically encounter them uh, as you're approaching the steps to enter the Elite Four. Ah, so they're still hanging around. Yeah, and uh, they've learnt that Pokemon have value beyond strength. Yeah, even though, to me, they don't really. (laughs) (laughs) You're the bad guy. (laughs) Gotta catch them all, Pokemon.